All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today is a Q&A episode where I will be answering all your listener questions on all things Atlanta Falcons and some things not so much Atlanta Falcons. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com. RIP still going strong on Twitter at FalcFans. And, of course, the host of this world-renowned Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is a Q&A episode. We've reached that portion of the offseason where I don't have a guest on. I don't have a specific topic I need to get into. And so that means, hey, guess what? You guys get to drive the the boat for once on this podcast and, and give me the feedback that I desperately need in order to provide you with that oh-so-precious world-renowned content right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And you get to send in your questions, and today's questions all come from Twitter. But, of course, you can submit your questions via Facebook to Lockdown Falcons or via email to LockdownFalcons at mail.com. But, of course, you know the easiest way to hit me up, the most likely place I will see you, is on Twitter because I spend oh too much time on uh, the tweets. And uh, that is, of course, Locked on Falcons there as well. So we got a lot of fun questions on today. Some of them draft related, some of them free agency related, some of them team related, some of them not football related, including, you know, what's my ideal running backfield for the Falcons uh, in 2021? And give you my thoughts on the running back draft class. So surprise trade that no one's necessarily talking about. What my perfect Sunday is going to be. Toy Story takes. My thoughts on the Falcons coach and general manager hires now that they've been on the job for six weeks who will shine the brightest in the dnp's defensive scheme what's the best condiment to go on pizza and revisiting my past draft takes on matt ryan and julio jones so without further ado let's sort of jump into our first question and it comes from zell sports at zella 610 on twitter he or she asked, do you think the Falcons would trade for someone like Saquon Barkley still on a rookie deal coming off an ACL injury? The Giants couldn't offer that much, right? That would give us Kyle Pitts and Saquon, LOL. Uh, I don't see the Giants giving away Saquon Barkley for anything less than the fourth overall pick. So I just don't see a scenario of that. So I don't see how you could get both Saquon and Pitts on the same team. Now the Giants could realistically get Saquon and Pitts on the same team because they're picking 11th and if Pitts is in the top 10 pick, a lot of mocks have the Giants taking him at 11 because of Evan Ingram, you know, potentially going into his final year. I think this year they have to decide if they're going to exercise the fifth year option on him. And given his injury history, that may not be the case. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see this one in the cards. I don't, I don't think the giants are going to give away Saquon Barkley for a second round pick. Um, our next question comes from the Falcoholic. I know that guy. Uh, what's your ideal 2021 backfield? And I'm assuming he's talking about the running back position. So it probably involves Najee Harris from Alabama because I think he's probably the best fit and arguably the best running back in this draft class. I, you know, I, I kind of feel like the Falcons should, though, at least somewhat address the running back position in free agency um, so that they're not stuck reaching on a running back in this draft because, you know, the whole best player available thing. You know, I'm not particularly a huge fan of this running back draft class. I don't think it's a bad class, but I don't think it's particularly deep. You know, I feel like if you don't land one of the top three guys, which is Najee Harris, Travis Etienne from Clemson or Javante Williams from UNC, 
you know, I'm not super enamored with any of the other running backs left on that sort of that next tier of running backs. I think they're fine. I think they certainly can be effective contributors in the NFL, but I think they're more likely to be committee guys than necessarily guys that you're going to say, go ahead and, and spearhead my, my rushing attack. I compare this year's draft class with last year's running back class. And, you know, I was a big fan of Clyde Edwards Hilaire and JK Dobbins. They sort of stood out to me when I watched them in last year's draft class. Uh, and I feel like this year's big three is kind of comparable to the next group of guys and Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers, all players that I liked, but I wasn't necessarily going to pound the table for any one of those guys. They were like, oh, they're all solid. They're all good. And it's similar dynamic. And we saw Taylor have a really sort of impactful rookie season. But, you know, how much of that was due to the Colts offensive line? Because Taylor's production in 2020 was marginally better than Marlon Mack's production in 2019. And like basically the difference between the two is like Taylor broke a couple of more longer runs, had like one or two longer runs than Mack did. And that's basically the difference, but between their production. So, you know, for me, I see a lot of people having this high expectations that we're going to draft this workhorse running back like a Najee Harris. And he's going to be our Derrick Henry. And we're just going to basically, you know, hand the ball off to that guy 15 to 20 times a game. And it's sort of just set it and forget it running game. And I, I just not necessarily as high on that possibility. I, I, I am a fan of Harris, but for me right now, I'm less concerned about the Falcons running back position than I am concerned at the offensive line. I, I'm very curious, very concerned about whether we're going to get positive production out of the left guard and center this year. You know, I feel like the running back position is most likely going to wind up being a sort of a committee system where you have a veteran like a Jamal Williams sharing the workload with a third or fourth round pick that the Falcons ultimately choose, you know, someone like a Trey Sermon or somebody like that. Um, you know, because I just feel like Harris is probably going to go in round one. And then, you know, if you're going to pull the trigger on Eddie N or Williams at pick 35 in round two, you know, I don't know if you're going to do that because there's potentially going to be better values there because you're going to get maybe a guy or two that you certainly look at and say that guy is definitely a first round talent at another position that isn't a quote unquote dime a dozen position like the running back position is perceived to be. And, you know, wouldn't that be better value at pick 35 than, you know, a good running back, but not somebody that you're going to sit there and say, like, this is going to be one of the all time greats. Uh, at least uh, that's how I look at those two guys. I think they're both very good. I like Williams more than I like Eddie in, but um, we'll see. Um, so, you know, part of me feels like the Falcons ultimately will sort of go with a stopgap this year. It's sort of a plug and play option there. Draft somebody in the middle rounds and, you know, hope that. You know, their blocking scheme will grow and develop and, and they'll be able to get more out of that middle round guy in the future than necessarily a number two type of running back that's going to get eight to ten touches a game, you know, and hope that that guy will grow into there. But I, I don't really think you're going to get more a guy that's going to, quote unquote, solve your um running back problems in 2021 this year. I'm not optimistic. Let's say that I, I'm not saying it's impossible for them to pull it off, but I'm not particularly optimistic that that's going to be the situation. And I think maybe you plug and play with, you know, some stopgap options and then hopefully you find your, you know, problem solver uh, in, in 2022. So all that to sit here and say, I guess to answer the question, what my ideal backfield is, is probably Najee Harris plus Aaron Jones plus Edo Smith plus Quadri Olison. That's my ideal backfield for the Falcons in 2021, but we probably all know that that's probably not going to happen. So there's that answer to that question, but we got plenty more questions to come, including when the Falcons might be able to arrange a draft day trade. What are some of the key offseason dates? 
a potential candidate to be a better pass rushing nose tackle to replace Tyler Davison and upgrade that position, as well as which player is likeliest to shine in the Dean P's defensive system. we got all that coming up on today's Locked on Falcons podcast, guys. But before we get there, I want to let you know that Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, NHL, NASCAR, FCS, college football are all in full swing. And Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television. Get real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Just head over to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today at betonline.ag and make sure you use the promo code locked on to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, go to betonline.ag, use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So I got you covered with everything you need to know about the Falcons, but what about the rest of sports? Well, host Peter Bukowski has you covered on the Locked On Today podcast. It's all sports news that you need every morning in under 20 minutes. So subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So our next question comes from Davon Wilson at DWizzy1997. He asks, when is all the important offseason dates, pro days, start of free agency, draft, etc.? And how do you like the GM and coaching hire so far from what you've seen and heard? Well, not to be a jerk, Davon, but uh, I do love it when people ask me questions that you can just easily Google yourself. Uh, you, you know, it reminds me of my mother who's in her 60s. She doesn't do this as much now, but uh, she used to call and text me and be like, Aaron, how do you do this? And I'm like, mom, just Google it, man. Um, but, you know, to answer your question, Davon, the important offseason dates that I would pay most attention to is the franchise tag deadline is March 9th. Obviously, I don't think that applies to the Falcons, but certainly some potential free agent candidates. I just, you know, teared up thinking about Carl Lawson. Uh, it will affect some of those guys. The free agent tampering period starts on March 15th, I believe. The free agent period starts on March 17th. Uh, the draft is on April 29th and runs through May 1st. And pro days are all over March and April. Again, you can Google that. Go to NFL.com. They got all of them. Uh, in terms of the big three quarterbacks left to work out remaining, you know, Trey Lance is March 12th. Zach Wilson's March 26th. And Justin Fields is March 30th. Um, as for the coach and GM hires, I like them just fine. You you know, I'm not the type that gets too caught up in the hype. You know, I've liked what I've seen so far, but what we've seen so far in these first six weeks are fairly unimportant in the bigger scheme of things. You know, they've done two pressers each, right? You know, they've had some radio, some podcast appearances, said some things, uh, but not to sound overly cynical, but ultimately, you know, no one's going to really care about what they said in any of those, uh, you know, radio media appearances, once the games are actually played and the Falcons are winning and or losing games at that point in time, those are going to be the things that ultimately those guys are judged off. And so it's just kind of a wait and see situation until then. Dan Wick is at Dr. Wick is on Twitter. Yes. Would you take a safety with a higher upside like Cisco or Grant? That's Andre Cisco out of Syracuse and Richie Grant out of UCF. I'm believing he's referring to or prefer someone with a higher floor lower slash lower ceiling. Well, I haven't studied this safety class that much. You know, I'm waiting till after free agency to see what the Falcons moves are made then uh, before sort of, you know, jumping headlong into the safety class. I saw a little of Andre Cisco at the start of this past year. I barely saw Richie Grant during the senior bowl. Uh, but from what I've heard and read about him, a lot of people sort of see him potentially as the top safety in this draft class. And a guy that is, is worthy of a top 50 pick. So, that being said, in general, I would go for the higher ceiling player, except for in situations, you know, and this doesn't just apply to safety, but this applies to 
pretty much any position generally go for the higher ceiling guy, particularly in the early rounds of the draft. Now, maybe in the later rounds of the draft, you might want to quote unquote hit singles and, and go for the higher floor guy. But generally I would go for the higher ceiling guy, unless it's a situation where you have a very raw piece, piece of a very raw piece of clay. And that guy has a relatively low floor, but a high ceiling and high upside. And an example of this, at, at least at the safety position would be someone like a Desmond Southward. Um, so, you know, it doesn't sound like from what I have seen of Cisco and what I've heard of Grant, that those guys would qualify in that regard. So it's not like you're, those guys are low floor, high ceiling guys. You know what I'm saying? Like they're also high floor, high ceiling guys. So why wouldn't you take that guy over a high floor, low ceiling guy? But uh, let's move on to CD3224's question. He has would signing Daquan Jones upgrade the Falcons pass rush. And for those that know, Daquan Jones is an impending free agent for the Tennessee Titans, has been their nose tackle the past couple of years. Jones is an upgrade over Tyler Davidson as far as a pass rusher goes. Um, but he's not really a big time pass rusher. He's sort of in a vacuum relative to most quote unquote three, four nose tackles. He's a better pass rusher than your typical guy. Um, but you know, he's best case scenario is he's kind of going to give you similar production as a pass rusher as what sort of Jack Crawford gave the Falcons in 2018, which is fine for a fourth guy in your rotation. Um, but you, you know, not necessarily ideal. Ideally, Jack Crawford's going to be more like the fifth or sixth guy in your row in your pass rush rotation, which I think is a similar situation with, with Daquan Jones and a big reason because the Titans haven't had that many guys above ahead of him these last couple of years that are significantly better pass rushers, um, at least in the same year. They've had multiple guys, but, you know, um, anyway. Uh, so, you know, in 2018, we had Jack Crawford as our fourth guy, which, again, I think would have been fine for the Falcons if the Falcons had gotten more out of their top three guys and Grady Jarrett, Vic Beasley, and Tack McKinley that year. You know, I think Grady Jarrett and Tack McKinley, relatively speaking, were fine. Obviously, Vic Beasley was not fine. Um, but, you know, for the most part, Jones is a run stopper first, and sort of his pass rush contributions are sort of complementary to that. Randon Williams asked thoughts on trying to bring Brian Poole back. Yes, I would be very uh, pro bringing Brian Poole back. I think he would be a, a significant upgrade over Isaiah Oliver as far as a nickel cornerback goes. Uh, Chris Bolden at Bolden 7 asks, who do you th- expect to shine the brightest in Pease's defense? Probably the best player, which would be Grady Jarrett. One flew over the Falcons nest at Mave two one two four. Asks, do most trade downs occur on draft night or before? I ask because I feel that we won't know if a trade down is possible slash successful until draft night. So, from what I understand it, obviously I don't have that experience, but from what I understand it, GMs are talking throughout the offseason. Fontenot said as much in his last press conference that people are talking, you know, February, March, April, all the way up to the draft, through the draft, etc. So they're going to have conversations. They may even have tentative deals and agreements, you know, wink, head shake, handshake type of deals, you know, sort of settled on before the draft, basically saying if the draft breaks a certain way, you know, we will be open to this possible deal sort of thing. But nothing is sort of ratified. Nothing is solidified uh, until, you know, teams go on the clock and, and draft night happens. So I think in the Falcons case, in terms of securing a trade down sort of deal, 
they're not going to really be able to do that until they see what the Jets and Dolphins do at the second and third pick overall, right? You know, I think if their trade down is sort of contingent on a player like Justin Fields being off the board, you know, plus you have to have other teams that want to come up for in that scenario where, you know, if Justin Fields goes, if the quarterbacks go one, two, three in this draft, and then the Falcons are like, we're not as high on Trey Lance as other people are, we're open to trading back, you know, then you got to have a team probably willing to come up for Trey Lance, which, you know, who knows at that point. And, um, or you would have to have a team wanting to leapfrog the Bengals who pick fifth, you know, presumably because they're afraid the Bengals are going to take a, I guess, an offensive lineman or the pass catcher of their dreams. So, you know, in terms of asking what are the chances the Falcons secure a trade down deal before the draft, I would say zero. Uh, it's just, that's just not how it works. Um, you know, I think the other thing that is worth pointing out that is somewhat related to this is that generally teams don't make decisions on what their final decisions are draft-wise until like a week before the draft, right? Even the Jaguars, who we can sit here and say is probably 99% sure that they're going to take Trevor Lawrence, is going to do their due diligence on all the other players in this draft over the next eight weeks. And then, you know, on April 23rd or whatever the case may be, be like, okay, we're going to take – we're taking Trevor Lawrence. You know, it's it's sort of – been a foregone conclusion, but the final decision is, is we're definitely taking Trevor Lawrence. Now that we've done all of our homework, we've arranged our draft board. We know he's number one. We know, you know, and then they run through some mock drafts and they say, okay, what happens if this team offers this to come up with Trevor Lawrence? And then they come up with sort of, okay, we value Trevor Lawrence at this level. You know, what would it take for us to move off of the spot? And then what would our scenario be for what we would do with the draft? They're not going to do any of that stuff until April. So it's one of those things where I say all that because, like, you know, you're going to start hearing a lot of people talk about what teams are going to do and who they like and who they want, you know, this March, uh, this month in March. And, you know, it's one of those things where I would say take it with a grain of salt. You know, it's really only the final two weeks of the offseason right before the draft that the quote unquote real stuff starts to come out. And then even a lot of that is mixed with smoke, right? So even that has to be taken into context, but you think back to last year, like no one, you know, it's not to say that no one was talking about AJ Terrell being a first round pick, but it really only started coming out like in seven to 10 days where you started seeing a lot more people talking about AJ Terrell being a, a first round pick, um, you know, prior to the draft. And that was when I first started hearing about it. For those of you that don't know, like I accurately prophetically predicted uh, AJ Terrell to be the Falcons pick, but it was basically like, you know, four or five days before the draft before that sort of even came on my radar. Um, So like, that's the reason I I say that. So, you know, it's one of those things where none, you know, a lot of stuff gets talked about between now and then, but really you're not going to really see teams start to really do stuff. Uh, in terms of building their draft boards until the week before the draft. And then when it comes to actually making, pulling the trigger on trades, that's not going to happen until draft night, essentially. So we got more questions uh, to wrap up today's episode, including some non-Falcons uh, and football related questions. Like my thoughts on ranch dressing on pizza, uh, Woody versus uh, Buzz Lightyear and Toy Story, or we got a couple more football ones though, including my thoughts on the initial, my initial thoughts on the picks of Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Oh, so way back in the day. Uh, but before we get there, guys, it is March. And you know that that means March Madness and Bracketology consumes the timeline. And maybe you're like me, though, 
and you're not necessarily as invested into the college basketball bracketology, but one bracket I am invested in is which Built Bar is the best. And starting on March 8th, Built Bar is unveiling their bracket for the top flavor with daily matchups between those top flavors. And you can pick yours at BuiltBar.com. And Built Bars are the best tasting protein bar on the market. They're not just tasty. They're healthy too. They're low in sugar, low in calories, high in protein, high in fiber. And whether you wait to see which flavor is crown champion at the end of the month, or you want to get your own mixed box of 18 flavors that features two of Built Bar's top nine flavors, just head over to BuiltBar.com right now. Make sure you use the promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order. My final four would be peanut butter, coconut almond, caramel brownie, and peanut butter brownie. Although maybe lemon almond cheesecake could sort of upset peanut butter brownie in the Elite Eight. But you can pick your final four at BuiltBar.com. And when you do, make sure you use the promo code LOCKEDON20 and you'll get 20% off your next order. So Wednesdays on the Locked On NFL podcast is going to take a deep dive into the future for your favorite NFL franchise, where Tony Wiggins and James Rapine are joined every week by a Locked On draft expert to talk about the upcoming draft prospects and young players that are starring fresh around the league. So make sure you get in on that on Wednesdays on Locked On NFL by subscribing to the Locked On NFL podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So Hashir Amir asks, since Matt Ryan and Julio Jones future is questionable, what was your initial opinion on the pick? So I liked both players a lot. You know, I often say like 97% of Falcon fans did not like the Matt Ryan pick at the time, but I was legitimately in that 3% that did. You know, I had sort of the crazy idea back then that, oh, the Falcons should take Glenn Dorsey at three, you know. Um, and then use their three second round picks to trade back into the top 10 and leapfrog the Ravens who were picking eight that year and, and still get Matt Ryan. So it was in my idea, like this crazy idea. This is when I was young and naive guys, uh, of, you know, thinking that this was a possibility, but like, oh, we can get both. You know, I, I like both Matt Ryan and like both Glenn Dorsey, but it was like, there's a way we could get both right. Similar to. Uh, the initial question was like, how can we get Kyle Pitts and Saquon Barkley? It's like, probably that's not going to work out uh, unless you're going to trade next year's first round pick. But anyway, um, as for the Jones pick, uh, he was my favorite. He was one of my favorite prospects in the draft. I don't know who was my favorite prospect in that 2011 draft. I remember, oh, it was, um, who was it? Was it, it wasn't Darius was top three. Was Von Miller top three? I also was really high on Robert Quinn that year. I can't remember who, who was my number one prospect in that 2011 draft class. But anyway, um, Julio was definitely in the top five or six. I know that. Uh, so I personally thought AJ Green was technically a better overall wide receiver, but Julio fit more my style that year. Uh, you know, I compared AJ Green to Randy Moss as more of that sort of finesse type of receiver, but a little bit more polished. Julio Jones, my comp for him was Andre Johnson, and I like that more physical type of guy. So even though why I thought I graded AJ Green as a higher, graded him higher as a wide receiver, my preference was Julio Jones. So as for the trade of trade up to Julio Jones, I did not like that. I wrote about it extensively at falcfans.com, RIP, sort of being negative on that trade and thinking the Falcons gave up too much. But in hindsight, you know, my opinion has changed somewhat. It's a little bit more nuanced. I don't think it was a bad trade, but it's sort of a give and a take. There's a pro and a con. There's a cost and a benefit to it. You know, I felt like the, the, the give, the pro was that Julio gave the team that explosiveness that they desperately needed on offense, which was the primary reason why in 2012 they were able to make that postseason run that they couldn't make in previous years where their offense tended to stagnate in January and got exposed by quality defenses and, and better offenses that were more explosive uh, on the opposite side of the ball. Uh, but I think the take on that trade was that they kind of gave up the bulk 
of the premium picks that they had in two draft classes in 2011 and 2012 to get Julio. And I think it came back to bite them in 2013 and beyond because they started, they didn't replenish the talent that was aging out of their roster during that time. The Roddy Whites, the Tony Gonzalez's, the John Abraham's, the Jonathan Babino's, the Todd McClure's, the Tyson Clabos, et cetera, started to age out and the Falcons were not able to successfully replenish their talent. Um, from those guys, losing those guys, uh, Turner also would go on that list. So it was one of those things where like, to me, the prime example of sort of the lack of talent that they were able to add in those years was a lot of the premium picks that they did draft in 2011, 2012, besides Julio, besides Jacquez Rogers and, and Matt Bosher, they were by and large, by the time we got to 2014, at the end of the Mike Smith tenure, most of those guys were replaced by an undrafted free agent. Peter Kahn's was replaced by the great James Stone. Lamar Holmes was replaced by uh, Ryan Schrader, Akeem Dent by Paul Warlow, Brady Ewing by Patrick DeMarco. Um, and so some of those cases, uh, those undrafted players proved to be upgrades over the guys that we drafted. But that's an indi- indicator of you're not necessarily drafting the best players in rounds two through four or whenever if they're actually worse players and undrafted free agents. So that's my thoughts on that. Uh, Thomas Demit not at T Demit not on Twitter. Craziest Falcons trade scenario. No one is talking about slash suggesting that may actually help. And he adds trading for pits doesn't count. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not necessarily sitting in my lab come, cooking up, you know, crazy trade scenarios. Let's say, let, you know, let's just pull one out of my butt, though. Uh, Kayla McGarry and Deion Jones for to the Broncos for Philip Lindsay and Noah Fant. Uh, Andy at Andy S. Gallagher asks, what's your perfect Sunday? Uh, you know, generally spending time with people I care about, you know, family members, friends, you know, significant others and whatnot. It's definitely not a Sunday that involves football. I definitely enjoy my uh, bi-week Sundays much more than my, you know, any of the 16. And now I guess we're going to have 17 uh, Sundays in which the Falcons are involved. Not because I, you know, not because I hate the Falcons, but it's just, it's so much stress. You know, it's just an, an unnecessary amount of stress that I just don't enjoy, uh, you know, sitting there watching the team, hoping that they're going to win all that stuff. So, uh, Jeff Schultz at Jeff Schultz, ATL asked Sheriff Woody or Buzz Lightyear. Uh, so this is probably going to be the hottest take I say on the podcast today, but you know, Woody's kind of a jerk, right? If we're being honest, like we all love Tom Hanks and whatnot. And we, we all are, we're most of us tend to be iffy on Tim Allen, but like, you know, if we're just looking at the characters, a lot of the Toy Story movies, not all of them, but a lot of them are just basically the plot is Woody is a jerk and then he learns a valuable lesson of not being a jerk by the end of the movie. Right. Like At least two of the Toy Story plots are, are kind of based around that. Um, so I, I feel like Buzz is just a better hang, you know, not Toy Story one Buzz, but like, you know, post Toy Story one where he accepts that he's a toy is just a better hang than Woody is, you know, Woody's ride or die. But like, I feel like there's a good chance that you'll be beefing up with Woody at any point, uh, given the sort of timeline of the toy story movies. Um, Dr. J at only one double J 22. Yes. Pizza dipped on ranch question mark, exclamation point. So Josh, I am not against this idea, but, my go-to for what I put on pizza is hot sauce. I'm not necessarily dipping my pizza into hot sauce, but if I'm going to add a liquid condiment to my pizza, it's usually going to be sriracha or Frank's. Although I generally don't discriminate against any hot sauces, although Tabasco is not necessarily my favorite, you know, it's probably not in my top 10, but you know, it's fine. If 
you got nothing else I, I can work with Tabasco. So if we're talking about sort of what I'm going to dip my crusts into, you know, after they're exposed, I tend to prefer garlic butter or marinara sauce over ranch dressing. But, you know, as far as like bronze medals go, like I, I will give it to ranch. Like it, it's an acceptable thing. I know some people that put ranch dressing on everything, you know, that's not me, but I'm not going to hate on it. You know, it's not necessarily my go-to, but it's acceptable. You know, I, I tend to be very open-minded with my food takes, generally speaking, but that's me. So there you guys have it. Another uh, Locked On Falcons Q&A in the books. And of course, if you want to send in your questions for future Q&As, we're going to probably have plenty more to do this offseason. Of course, you can hit me up on Twitter at Locked On Falcons, on Facebook at Locked On Falcons, or you can send in your questions via email to LockedOnFalcons at Mail.com. Appreciate it, guys. Till then.